Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, and these series of episodes, I'm going to be interviewing and asking the questions that you that you submitted, you as the um, the listeners to the uh, board hopefuls. Um, joining me in the background, um, more or less like a like a silent moderator slash um, reference is is Felix Peroni, but the person on the spotlight right now is is Frankie. So, Frankie, why don't you go ahead and just quickly introduce yourself, and we'll we'll dive right in. My name is Frankie Gianetto, and I am a current candidate for the USAD Executive Board. Um, I live outside of Philadelphia, and I've been playing dodgeball competitive since about 2012. Awesome. Obviously, you're no stranger to the Dodgeball Podcast. We have talked for hours on end. Um, in the interest of time and sticking to the point, I'm going to do my best to basically just ask the questions. Um, if there's anything I feel might extract more of an answer from you. I'll go ahead and, and, and pitch it, but for the most part, I'll, I'll do my best to stay on topic. So so the first question is, what is your elevator pitch to describe USA Dodgeball, its mission, and what makes it unique to other sports? Sure, so USA Dodgeball is the organization that oversees dodgeball in the United States, um, but what's really powerful is its mission and you know, building on the greatness that has come before I might steal some of the verbiage from the web's website, but it's really to promote and develop the sport of dodgeball in the United States. And that's kind of just like the high level. Obviously, there's layers of, you know, leagues and social aspects, competitive, Team USA, etc. Um, but really, it's just like growing dodgeball, legitimizing it and making it accessible for everyone. Um, and something that makes it really unique is it's it's a really accessible sport. I feel like no matter your background, you can jump in and start playing it socially and have a really good time. There's a lot of teamwork and camaraderie to it. I feel like just from playing so long, I've met so many different people from different experiences and different parts of the United States. And you know, I've been able to learn so much from them and grow as a person and then have fun while doing it and compete while doing that too. So I think it's just something that is really important to grow um, in our country. And yeah, I look forward to doing that, whether it's in a board position or however else I can help. Okay, moving to um, question number two, and I may reiterate this since it's kind of a a two-parter. I'll read the entire thing first. What does the success of the organization and the sport look like in four years and how do you measure it? What are the incremental goals you have to provide that path to success? What are the biggest blockers to those goals and how do you seek to address them? Sure. So I'll start with, you know, what success looks like for the organization. And I think there's a pretty straightforward answer. That's growing leagues, growing in members, growing in attendance, growing in exposure. I'm going to say growing a lot. Um, And then two other goals, obviously, we always think about money, making things more cost effective for both the organization's or the organization and its players. And then obviously for Team USA, success is six golds. Okay, so that's a good first part of the question. Um, So the second part is, what are the incremental goals you have to provide that that path to success? Yeah, and this is also thinking about like how to track those goals. So I obviously don't have access to everything that the board is doing right now, Um, but I'm curious to know like what data and analytics is going on right now. So are we measuring attendance at league level like our obviously we have a list of all the member organizations but do we have any insight into if they're growing declining do we have any insight into let's just call it the conversion rate 
from people joining those member organizations then moving on to the competitive space. Um, so I think incrementally just seeing increases in, atten in attendance and conversion, that would be pretty easy to measure. Um, when you think about things like money and finances, obviously there, it's, that's a number. So while it's easy to member, measure, I think it's hard to measure success without really being in it. So I can't give you an exact answer on like what it looks like for me, but I think just knowing that the quality of the events and the amount of exposure we're able to provide and just kind of like the burden on the players, seeing all of that get better or have some relief, I think that would be a way to see success in those areas. Um, but again, I can't really give you like a strict measurement because I don't have like access to the books or anything like that. But really just like measure the growth, see how everyone's feeling and yeah. Cool. And then the last part of this question is what are the biggest blockers to those goals and how do you seek to address them? Yeah, so being on Team USA, I was able to see a little bit about how USA Dodgeball was functioning. Um, and it did seem like there was a little overlap of responsibilities for the board members. I don't know, Felix, you feel the new tournament, but assuming you don't, it just seems like um, we could benefit from some, I guess, specialization in the board members and then coming together and sharing when you either need help or you want to get more ideas. Um, so I think kind of helping facilitate, and that's something I can do very well just from my background, kind of like helping people facilitate and work on the things that they can really do and help with. So that way um, we're able to have a greater focus and drive things. I think in terms of attendance and in terms of money, so first starting with attendance, I think having more time is going to be something that really alleviates that issue. Obviously, 2022 had to be a bit rushed. So I think that roadblock um, can be removed just by, you know, starting early and we'll have the opportunity to do that. And then as far as financials, again, this is putting people in places to succeed, but making sure that we're getting exposure and then empowering any board members or any subcommittees to be able to go after things like sponsorships and partnerships. I know there's been progress with hotel deals and things like that and some of like how we're securing venues now. And I think we can keep building upon that and make it even better. Cool. All right, we'll move to the next okay. question. And that is, um, what have you done to grow the sport of dodgeball? Yeah. So, we haven't got to do any like one-on-one -on -one interviews. I know you and Sergio do that for a lot of people, but my background in dodgeball started running a youth dodgeball league at a YMCA. And that was actually how I met Steve Bolger and the Giovincos. So I kind of started with a growth mindset as far as dodgeball. Um, I ran a, we'll call it a class for lack of a better term for, it was like third to sixth grade. And then we ran a league for seventh through ninth. So that's kind of how I started. Um, so when I started playing competitively and coming into it, I always had the mindset of like, I don't wanna say coaching, but just like approaching people and like talking to them about dodgeball. Um, and as I kind of like grew in the community, I had the opportunity to not only like meet new people, but also invite them to join our community. So I think especially on the East Coast, 
Um, there's lots of teams where they might have met Team Awesome and specifically me at like a charity tournament. I can think of a lot of the guys on Clutch Mode and Z Warriors like TJ Jefferson. We saw them at a charity tournament in Delaware. I got their number or I got their information on Facebook and I started inviting them to tournaments and now they've been mainstays in the community. Um, there's a lot of the like UDC East Coast teams. I was doing something similar. And then something else in terms of like recruitment that was really important, important. I try to go out of my way when there's new players, you know, just go up and talk to them, welcome them, make sure they have a familiar face when they come to that second tournament, really make them feel like they're a part of the community. Um, So that's like in terms of like recruitment, kind of where my mind has been and what I've been focusing on. And then while I've never been a director for Elite or USAD, Um, I have run a lot of tournaments and assisted running a lot of tournaments. Uh, Something I was really proud of was right before COVID hit in 2019, we ran a women's draft tournament on the East Coast, and we had about 35 members, and we had a bunch of guys show up and volunteer and run it, and it went really successful or successfully. So, you know, just from like my background in like the youth part of it, and then transitioning that to inviting new teams, welcoming new teams, and then running tournaments. I think, I I guess tooting my own horn a little, but I think I've grown dodgeball a lot, specifically on the East Coast, and I don't want to like rattle off names, but I feel like you just could ask around, and you'll find people who I was one of their first introductions to dodgeball or someone that really like talked to them seriously for the first time and made them feel like a part of the group. Nice. Yeah, this is totally about tooting your own horn. I mean, you're trying to sell yourself, so don't uh, don't be uh, what do you call it? Um, don't be afraid of how that sounds. So um, definitely make sure that we capture your accomplishments, especially with some of these really specific targeted questions. Um, which brings us to the next one, and that is, um, what's something you have worked on personally that has benefited the greater dodgeball community, or does that kind of re- mirror your previous? Yeah. I think these next two are pretty like themed to what I was talking about. Um, Right. Like I feel like they're very growth minded and that's what I would talk about too. Like, I feel like me keeping like the E like helping so much on the East has really been my greatest contribution. So I don't know if like, I don't want like team USA scouting is not my greatest contribution. That's great. And I love it, but definitely like, having the East coast be so well represented has made me the happiest and I think done the best for the community. So I don't know if I have a different answer for this one and the next one. Fair I enough. just want to skip them. Yep. No problem. Um, so we'll go to the next question and that is, um, why are you the best person for the executive board position? Sure. And, uh, you know, this could really be phrased as why am I one of the four best persons since we're electing four and that's nice to have that like, team that you're coming in with. Um, So just to talk about qualifications briefly, uh, from the non-dodgeball perspective, um, just from like my professional background, uh, I have an MBA in strategic management and I did a lot of volunteer work for leadership organizations with the YMCA. Um, And some of the skills I've really like cultivated and developed in those spaces would be, sorry, I'm just making sure I get these down. Uh, project management. I mean, that's been my job for like five years now. Data and analytics. I've done a lot of work with data and my company. Uh, relationship management and facilitating and leading teams. I've been able to do that both professionally and with volunteering at the YMCA beforehand. 
And then I guess kind of like the last skill to really bring up here is passion. Obviously, everybody applying for the board is really passionate about the sport and a really passionate person. So that might not make me stand out, but I think that's a skill we all need to say that we have because we do. Awesome. Um, can we shift that to like more on the dodgeball side? Yeah, of course. So, you know, in dodgeball, being in it for so long, I feel like I've been able to wear many hats. Um, obviously, I've captained teams and been a part of some great teams. But off the court, um, I've been able to organize tournaments, like I talked about before, some as part of a team, like charity tournaments, or some by myself or with one other person where it's like a competitive off-brand, not necessarily like a leader USAD. Uh, I also refed at UDC once, um, so that was good to be a part of, you know, that might have been one of the organizations that had some of the most money in dodgeball at the time, and I don't mean the prizes, I mean like the investment to run that tournament, so just like being on the inside of that and seeing how it functioned, I think that gave me a lot of insight into what it takes to run dodgeball events. And then um, I volunteered as a league manager, um, most recently at Stonewall Sports in Philadelphia. And then my most recent kind of like dodgeball leadership position was as one of the scouts for Team USA for three, let's call it cycles since it's not three years in a row anymore. Um, so three cycles of the team. Nice. Um, and going back to the previous question on what have you done personally that's benefited the greater dodgeball community? I know I'm not trying to get too crazy on speaking on my own terms, but you've also volunteered ample hours helping me with recaps, painting the scene and letting people know, you know, who to look out for on the East. Um, I've always been blown away by the amount of work you put in and paneling, um, the East coast, uh, East region, uh, recaps has been really easy because of the work that you and that not just you have done, but the, the, the collaboration with everybody else, the other guests. So for people that, you know, and there's a lot of them that listen to these recaps, that is something that you obviously do on your personal time. So I, I, I couldn't help, but throw that out there, um, just to kind of help you, um, cover that piece from, from my perspective, but going back to other regions. Um, the next question is what are the plans to build up the North and South areas? They are both struggling with women teams, and in the South, we struggle to build consistent men's teams. So, a multiple multiple part question. Um, I don't know if you want to tackle each region specifically and just say how you would approach those, or however you want to address that question. Yeah, and I think there's also some other questions around increasing involvement in specific regions and cities. Um, so, I think I might try to look at this at kind of like a higher level, and then maybe we can apply it to certain let's say regions or cities, but I, it's not like I have a plan for every city. Um, but yeah, so I think something, and I'm sure USA, I've been calling it USAD, and I just like doing that, so maybe that'll stick. So I think something USAD has been doing uh, with the member organizations is bringing them together. Um, something I don't know that they're doing, or I haven't observed it yet, is really like surveying them and seeing what's working in those leagues. So I think in a post-COVID world, something we definitely want to look at are some of the leagues that have just started up in the last year or two. Um, I know at least on, I'll call it the East, it's also like Southeast, but there's a couple of leagues, you know, in Connecticut, there's Nutmeg Dodgeball. In Philadelphia, we have Philly Dodgeball now. And then I know in Atlanta, they just started Atlanta Dodgeball Club. So all of those are like three very brand new dodgeball groups. 
um, with different focuses. I think one of them might just be open gyms. One is doing competitive leagues and others on its second season. So I think kind of surveying them and seeing what's working and not is really important. And then also comparing that to what we have learned from long established leagues that have been very successful cactus in Arizona, all of the leagues in LA, all of the leagues in Seattle, um, and then also the NCDA as well. I think we could be doing more to take this like huge community knowledge that we have and really like bring it together to help new leagues. Um, maybe something like, not like a one pager, but like a guide for like, hey, if you're trying to start a league, here's how other leagues have gone about getting sponsors. Here's how they handle insurance. Here's the insurance person we or insurance organization we recommend. Um, Here's like some rules that we do for more social versus more competitive, just kind of like a guide for how to start a league or because people starting leagues, like they don't all have experience in sports management or social media, things like that. So I think uh, we have a lot of people that play and organize dodgeball in our country and we could be doing more to pull that info together and disperse it. Um, so that's kind of like more of a let's call it like city region focus. Um, and one other point I would add there is, I don't know if this is being done, but some sort of like analyzing if there's certain cities and regions where we could be like injecting dodgeball leagues into, like if we have someone that's really good in the dodgeball community that moves to a new city, like let's say someone moves to, I'm just gonna say a random city, uh, <laughs> struggling to find one. Uh, but, so let's say someone moves to Washington, D.C. I know they have leagues, but say they didn't have a league. Like, but we know there's so many people there and there's other sports groups. Could we, like, as an organization, support them in starting up a league? So that could be a way to really, like, grow dodgeball at the ground level when we think about some social and competitive leagues. Um, switching topics to, like, that whole east, north, south, west region focus and kind of the competitive focus and how to grow that. Uh, we've had a lot of success with, we'll call it the like three regional model tournament where we do three tournaments in each region and then one at nationals. Um, it has seemed like, I guess attendance wise that might've peaked in 2019 and then now it's definitely down a bit. Obviously there's plenty of factors, COVID, time like we discussed earlier like there's a lot that's going into it that's probably impacting it people probably just got burnt out or took a break and found other hobbies um but you know is that the perfect model anymore i don't know if we know that so i think something after this nationals that should be evaluated and re-examined is that how competitive dodgeball should proceed you know there's so many different ways this would go. I've had conversations with people, but I think we should do like, and I know we've run surveys in the past and I think there's been some email campaigns about different ball types, but let's do that again. Let's kind of do that every so often and make sure we're getting it. Um, and there's where we can also like address the question too of, you know, are there certain types of teams that are struggling? So like NCDA, pinch 8.5 players, how do we get them to a ball type? Like, how do we get them interested in no-sting, foam? How do we get more women in dodgeball? Um, you know, let's talk to women in dodgeball and have them tell us what we need to be doing. Tell us what worked. Like, how did they find it? What did people do that made them feel welcome? Like, what do they love about dodgeball? Um, so I think there's, like, 
a lot that can be done to grow the sport, both like locally and then up to competitively. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of great work done already and we definitely can build upon that. And just like how I answered the social, I think our active community right now is our most powerful resource and we need to always be engaging them, getting their ideas and thinking about how we can implement the ones that we can implement. Nice. Uh, two more questions. The last one is a big one. So this one, um, speaking of like replicating things is five ball types too many for one event, even if it is nationals. So this is something like, you know, is our current model, the perfect model. Um, so logistically, obviously like we probably want to play every ball type in the U S I don't know if, I don't know if I'm the right person to say what we should prioritize. Um, but if we did add like, let's say a second nationals, that's a lot of logistics to do like a nationals just for the rubber balls and then a national just for foam and cloth. So I think we definitely need to talk about that. I know that worlds is on a two year cycle. So there maybe could be something around that, you know, this is where like ideating as a community and just brainstorming, we could find some good answers. Personally, I'm not playing five ball types in one weekend. I don't recommend almost anyone does that. That sounds like a lot to put on yourself. Um, so I think we do need to, again, re-examine how to do that going forward. But I'm grateful that we're putting on as much as possible this year, just so that everyone can come out, play what they want, you know, get a shot to really try it out. But I don't think that the right answer is five ball types in one event, but that's my personal opinion. All right, now for the last question, and I feel like this is a really hot issue right now. Um, so I'm going to read the whole question and then um, break it down accordingly. Um, what is your plan for toxic behavior? To many, it is the single largest deterrent from engaging with the competitive form. How will you protect the organization from toxic players who, get, who have historically gotten a pass because they are good or because they are a part of a clique of other established players? Yeah, so you're definitely on social media and in person seeing lots of tension here um, with let's just call it like player behavior, for lack of a better term here. And I think in the past we've done some things that have helped. I know um, USA Dodgeball has done behavior contracts, at least at that higher end level uh, for Team USA. Um, I'm going to say there's a code of conduct. I'm positive there's a code of conduct. I just don't know everything that it says on the website um, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm checking a box and reading it every time I'm doing a tournament. So we have some of the infrastructure in place there. Uh, I also know in the past Elite did kind of like a player review board. I don't think that USA Dodgeball continued that, but I think making sure that first we have like very clear, easily accessible um, I'm calling it infrastructure about how, you know, what we expect of people when they're playing dodgeball. When you're at tournaments, how are you acting? When you're not at tournaments, what are some things you're doing? Because there's obviously some things, it's not USA Dodgeball's space to regulate, but when you're representing the organization, when you're at events, you know, it's not a good look if you're being like very like negative and verbal to another team. Like what if there's teams there who are newer and that's their first experience and they never come back? Or at a higher level, if you're cheating a lot, like, it's just something that obviously is stressing a lot of people out. It's kind of stressful to even consider it. Um, 
but definitely something we need to address. And then one like idea I had, I don't know if this is being done, but I don't know if we're logging incidences, like almost like incident reports. I think this would help too. I feel like as people are having situations come up, they feel like they're just like talking to one person. Like they might be talking to one board member and that board member is being receptive, but I don't know if it's like being submitted to the board. And then like when someone's acting on it, or is the entire board going to consult every time? So I think if we, like, if the board, obviously not a public, but just had like an incidence log, so you could track repeat offenders. And then also like when you have to have that tough conversation with someone like, hey, player A, like, you know, we've had videos submitted of you cheating. We've reviewed them. Sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. We definitely talk about that. But we also have this instance where you were like very mean to a player. I've noticed they haven't been back since. Like we want to have that evidence so that we feel like empowered to have these conversations with those players and either correct the behavior or if it can't be corrected, you just have to punish them at that point. You know, there has to be consequences. Cool. Um, this may be a bit of an overlap question, but um, I do want to ask you just to make sure, because again, hot topic. How would you handle players who have repeatedly um, with? Uh, let me rephrase that. How would you handle players who have repeat clear evidence of cheating submitted against them? So you had mentioned um, you would track trends, but you know if you have video evidence and it's submitted, and if you are the one making the call, how, how do you do that? Yeah, I think this is where you have to have like a code of conduct or clear rules, kind of like a carding system. So you have to do things like ban them from certain games, ban from tournaments, things like that. Like there definitely has to be uh, I guess I'll say the word progressive punishment structure and you just follow it. Like if someone is cheating and they're starting to get banned, they're going to be like, Oh crap, I got to change. And then if they don't, wow, I just got banned longer. So I don't know what the appropriate structure is off the top of my head right now, but definitely some sort of uh, like ban from a series or games and then maybe like larger to a tournament or a division. Uh, but it definitely is something you know, dodgeball is all about honesty, so I understand why cheating is a hot topic, and like you also have to understand that a lot of people are always accusing people of cheating too. So I'm glad that the person here said like clear evidence because it's something that you don't just want to like turn people away without knowing for sure. So making sure that we have a way to collect and gather that evidence, a way to document it, and then a method for how to act on it. Gotcha. Well, that's all I have for the uh, the questions. Um, and just so people are, are aware of what's going on, there was a ton submitted. We we try to pick the most overlapping ones. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how this whole process is going to work. But while we do that, um, is there anything you wanted to leave this interview with, Frankie? Sure. So again, thank you for letting me come on and talk. Always love chatting with you, but it's nice to be able to kind of address some of the questions. And I don't want to be like posting all the time and like, here's why you should vote for me. But it's nice to just talk once or twice and have people understand my thoughts. Um, thank you, everyone, for considering me, whether or not you vote for me, whether you think what I'm saying is aligning what you think. That's cool. Um, I'm grateful for all the opportunities I've had so far to help grow Dodgeball. And whether or not I am elected to the board, I'm looking forward to continue to help in every way that I can. So. Thanks again, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys on the court. Awesome. Thanks, Frankie.